Hello, and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online service. We're so excited to have you with us. Make sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And to listen to our messages, follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you and enjoy the service. Today, it gives me great honor to have one of our many friends of this church share. Pastor Sydney comes from a part of India called Vizag, which means city of destiny. He is actually the pastor of Clara and her mother, who's here, Lily and Priscilla. They are all have been a part of that ministry in India uh, for a very long time. And so he just did a tour of the United States and came back. He started here for the graduation, went around and found his way back. And so uh, my mom is watching live stream. Sorry, mom, I'm not speaking today. Um, but we are going to be blessed. Vizag, which means the dest- city of destiny, is it, their church is called Vizag Christian Assembly, which means destiny of destiny of God. And so. Uh, today he is he's here as an educated man. He studied his theological studies at uh, Sabak, India, and I believe you've gone all the way up through your masters. Yeah, he's an educated man, and uh, I am in store for a treat. I've yet to have heard him speak, but when you meet him, two things stand out to me: one, he's very down to earth, and two. Uh, his soul is in the heavens. And so if you would just kind of turn to your neighbor and say, get ready for something different. And uh, I believe that God's going to speak to us very deeply. And uh, we always wonder, you know, I, I, I don't know what it is to hear from God. You're about to hear from God through the preaching of his word. Would you welcome with us here this morning, Pastor Sidney? Good morning. That was a wonderful response. Thank you. So what I do Everywhere I go and even in my churches, before I start anything, I say a loud hallelujah without the mic, and I'll see if you can match that. Are you ready? I only hear this section. This is a strong section. Who's going to win? This one, this one, or this one? Right here? (laughs) Okay. So a loud hallelujah from me, and let's see how you'll respond to that, okay? Without the mic? Hallelujah! Oh, come on. What's happening here? (laughs) We just woke you up right now. Come on. Yeah, once again, even the middle section. Let's try section by section, yeah? Three hallelujahs and one hallelujah all together. Okay, I've I've heard you guys, so you guys need to be silent, yeah? (laughs) Are you all ready? Yeah? I'm going again without the mic. Wow, excellent. Now, now you're in it. Now you're in it. Okay, we, I think they're going to beat you. They're going to beat you guys. Okay. The middle section, are you ready? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! There you go. And all of us together, hallelujah! 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 Amen. Glory to God. I tell people you have a voice, you have hands, you have feet. Don't sit and worship. Stand and worship. Don't just put your hands down and worship. Lift them up and worship. Interestingly, it's a command in Scripture that many ignore. To lift up men, holy men, lift up your hands at all places, right? And if you have a voice, don't be quiet. Sing, 
speak, declare, because he's worthy of it. Amen. I want to thank you this morning for having me over. It's an absolute honor and privilege to be here with you and a great joy. Um, hearing about this church over the years from Clara, I'm so happy that I, I would not have imagined being here. It's an absolute miracle being in America and being in Northeastern Christian Church is another miracle and a great joy to be here. I'm grateful to Pastor Paul and his family. Thank you for reaching out to me. Pastor Dylan, thank you. I'm also, I'm told Pastor Kevin as well, thanks to, yes, thank you Pastor Kevin and the worship pastor as well, thank you. I also met, had the privilege of meeting Pastor Dick, thank you, and all the other elders and deacons of the church. I want to acknowledge my, oh, things are up there. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll get to that part. So um, I want to acknowledge my friends here, uh, Clara and her mom and her sister Sophie, and even uh, our uh, worship leader friend, Boaz. So praise God for all of them, and I bring greetings from my church. It's pronounced slightly differently, Pastor. It's Vizag Christian Assembly, Vizag Christian Assembly. I bring greetings from the deacons and the elders of my church, and uh, I'm missing them. It's, it's my third Sunday in a row that I'm not there, and it's the longest time that I've been away from my church, but I praise God for them and their love and their backing. Now, on the screen is the most beautiful woman in the world. Yeah? That's, that's my wife. Her name's Gladia. And uh, we both together serve God in India, in our city, Vizag. And um, I thought I was going to Bible college to learn about the Bible, but um, I was in for a surprise because I learned about a bride, the bride that is up there. God took me to Bible college to meet my bride, yeah? And doesn't that happen to several of us? So that's her, Gladia. And my son, I have a son, um, Silas. His name is Silas Josiah Peter. And um, that's him up there. He's two years and eight months. He's going to complete three in September. And um, just a glimpse of our church, which is Vizag Christian Assembly. That's the hall we meet in. We rent out a school hall. It's called Bethany School. It's a Christian school. And we rent out the hall of that school to worship and praise our living God every Sunday. And um, I have been in the pastoral work for the last seven to eight years. And before that, I was trained at Bangalore Southern Asia Bible College, received my degree. And before that, I was a bank employee. I was working for a bank for seven years. And I felt the call of the Lord on my life when my elders approached me and said, we think you should be our pastor. I said, well, um, it was a very difficult time. You know how it is when your career is in a certain direction. But the Lord convinced me about the call on my life, and here I am. I'm happy I answered that call, and here I am with you, worshiping with you, praising His name, and uh, looking forward to sharing what God has on His heart for us this morning. With those few words, let us pray and look to God's Word. Father, we are so grateful this morning that we have the privilege the honor, Lord, to be in your presence. Lord, there is nothing better than being in your holy presence, Lord. There's no other place that is better than being in your sanctuary, Lord. I'd rather be a doorkeeper 
in the house of the Lord than be anywhere else. And we want to thank you that we have been called the redeemed, we have been saved, and we are on the path of sanctification because you have chosen us, Lord. This morning we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts, our minds. Convict us, Lord. Comfort us, Lord, and challenge us this morning, we pray, that we might live lives that are worthy of your name and the calling that you have set upon us. We commit ourselves to you. I commit myself to you as I speak. Anoint me, giving you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. During an impassioned sermon about judgment and death, the pastor forcefully said, each member of this church is going to die and face judgment. And everyone was silent and sad, but there was one man sitting up in the front. He had a white smile on his face, and that disturbed the pastor. Once again, the pastor said, each member of this church is going to die and face judgment. And everyone was silent and sad, but this man continued to look at the pastor and had a white smile. He was smiling with a wide smile. And so the pastor decided, I'm moving away from the pulpit. He moved away. He came to the edge of the stage, looked at the man, now no, long, no longer the congregation. He looked at the man and he said, each man and woman in this church are going to die and face judgment. While everybody else was getting more awkward and scared, this one man continued to have a wide smile on his face. And he kept looking at the pastor as if, you can't do anything to me, you pastor. And he kept smiling. So the pastor, in frustration, continued with his sermon. But after he finished his service, he went immediately from the stage, found the man, and he said, I kept saying that every member of this church is going to die and face judgment. And everyone else was sad and silent. And you are the only one who had a white smile on his face and your smile kept getting bigger every time I kept saying that. And why is that? I want to know. The man again gave him a white smile and said, that's because I'm not a member of this church. <laughs> yeah? That can happen, right? That can happen. So whether you're a member of this church or not, this morning, <laughs> this sermon is for you, I believe. And many times in life, when we are not committed to something, we tend not to care. When we are not into something fully, we tend not to observe or care or have any concern. And many Christians, unfortunately, coast along life. I'm talking about Christians alone or so-called Christians. They coast along life without having any form of commitment to God, to His church, and to His people. And unfortunately, that is the state of many Christians. When you're not committed, you're not bothered about what happens to the ship. You'd let it sink and die. You'd let it sink and get destroyed. It doesn't matter to me, for I'm not committed. This morning, I want to ask you, start off with a question. Are you committed to something in your life? And where does your greatest commitment lie? Where does your greatest commitment lie? Christ does not want drifters, he does not want sliders, he does not want on-the-fence colliders. He wants people with real commitment. Are you this morning having real commitment? It is vital for us to understand when we read this book that Christ wants committed disciples. He's not on the lookout for anyone. I'll say that again. 
You might say, well, he loves everyone, right? Absolutely. He loves everyone. All are welcome to come and see, but not all are welcome to remain and be the way they came. Are you listening to me? Everyone's welcome. Come and see what he's doing. Come and see the love. Come and experience it. But you cannot continue to say, I'll be the same way and not be committed to Christ. I'll be on the fence. I'll stand in the middle, right? I'll one leg on this boat and one leg on that boat. No, you cannot serve two masters. You need to have true and real commitment. And that's what Christ is looking for. And that's why in Matthew chapter 22, it is said that the king invites people for the banquet. And once he invites them, he checks what? What are they wearing? There is a specific dress code that you need to have when you go before the king. You cannot go however you want. Now, of course, you're dressed today however you want, but I'm, that's, I'm talking about the spiritual commitment and the spiritual uh, fervor that you need to have when you go before the king. You cannot go however you want and cannot say, accept me however I want. No, there is a protocol that you and I need to follow, and I do understand following Christ can be challenging sometimes, can be confusing sometimes, can be chaotic sometimes, can be overwhelming sometimes. But praise God that Jesus remains the same in the valley, in the desert, and even on the mountaintop. Amen. He remains the same, and He walks with us every step of the way, and that's what He's calling us to do. I would like to look at a few scriptures this morning. And you already have the sermon of my title up there, Committed Disciples of a Committed Savior. We'll look at Scripture this morning, and then we will go on to see three ways that the disciples showed their commitment. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. That's what we're going to look at first. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to that, or your phones, or if it's going to be up on the screen, that would be great. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Do not leave Jerusalem. That's what he commanded them. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verses 7 and 8, he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Chapter 2, verse 1 of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. May the word of the Lord be blessed. The reason I chose this, these passages this morning, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday today, if, and we're celebrating the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened, that baptism in the Holy Spirit that happened, transformed these disciples. They were no longer the same. And Pentecost comes from the Greek word, which means 50. And the reason it is, it is seven weeks as is commanded in the Old Testament, seven weeks uh, after the Passover, and they're celebrating the festival of the harvest, and it's called Shavuot. And so they are observing this day, Pentecost, and they're waiting, and Christ has asked them to wait, and something interesting happens. Christ says, wait. And many times when he says, wait, you don't ask why, right? Has it happened to you in life? God says, wait, and you want to ask, why should I wait, right? You don't ask why. You wait. He says, wait, and they're like, okay, we'll go wait. He says, wait, and they're waiting, and they're wondering what's going to happen. And it's a very interesting phase in their life because here they were three and a half years with him, and they were trying to understand things once he was gone. And all he says is, wait, because you will receive power. And then what, God? You'll know. Don't worry. You'll know. And we see what happens to them after they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Nobody needed to tell them what to do. They knew what to do. They were praying. They were praising. They were breaking bread. They were preaching. They were bold. And people were getting added over and over again. And we also see that their focus changed. Their focus was before this experience, when are you going to come back and redeem Israel, Lord? When are you going to become the president of Israel and going to free all the Jews? When are you going to rule Israel and we rule with you? And once this experience happened, we see that conversation never came back again. Interesting, right? Their whole thought process was transformed with this Pentecost Sunday and with this experience of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Their whole worldview changed and they said, from now on, we understand which kingdom we're working for. It's not an earthly kingdom we're working for. It's not an earthly kingdom we're living for. It's not an earthly kingdom we're serving. It's a kingdom beyond all kingdoms. Amen? It's a kingdom that will last forever. That's what we're going to serve. That's what we're waiting on. But we observe that they had this fickle commitment, this half-hearted commitment. And now with this experience, they have this complete commitment where all of them literally went to their death, right? Every one of them went to their death. They were transformed in such a way that even death did not scare them anymore. They were not scared and in fear. Just a few days ago, they ran away. They all ran away. And now they are all ready to be murdered like their Lord was murdered. Amen. This morning, the commitment that we have is a temporary is it just while we're within these four walls, or does it go well beyond that? We need to ask ourselves that question this morning. Is it just a commitment when I come within these four walls, I lift up my hands, I say a nice few things to God, I say a little prayer, and I go away? Or is it a commitment where I'm going to go all the way if it calls for it, all the way even to death? And I know that sounds scary, but that's what Jesus lovers do. Amen? Amen. We are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we will go all the way. So the question before us today is what kind of disciples we are longing to be? What kind of disciple are you longing to be? You may be from a different background. You might have grown up a certain way. You might have gone, th gone through some sort of trauma, some sort of trouble. But as you sit here today, the question that lies before you this morning is what kind of disciple are you longing to be?
irrespective of what has happened. If you've given your life to Jesus, what kind of disciple are you longing to be? And if you're sitting here this morning wondering, I don't know much about this Jesus, it is your opportunity to give your life to Jesus and become a committed disciple. The verses that we read see us, see how their attitude towards God transformed. And I'm going to show you three ways from what it transformed from to what it transformed to and what we are calling, what we are being called to be this morning. The first way that it was seen, their attitude was seen and what happened. The first way, the scattering, then the gathering. The scattering, then the gathering. The mandate of God is to gather. The mandate of God for all of us is to gather. So first what happened, the scattering and then the gathering. If you could turn your attention for a moment to the Gospel of John, for a moment to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. The Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 32. The Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 32. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you all will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet, I am not alone because the Father is with me. Jesus foretold this about his friends, his so-called committed friends and committed disciples, that you all are going to leave me and go away. You are all going to get scattered. And in that moment, you know, you know what their reaction was. And we've seen how Peter, no, Lord, I'll not go. I'll not leave you even if death calls upon me, right? This is like a boyfriend telling a girlfriend, right? I'll do whatever you want to the moon and back. You know how guys talk when they're in love, right? I'll get the moon for you. I'll, you know, I'll bring that stars down. I'll do anything you want. I'll jump off a cliff. What? Those are all things they like saying. Will they really do it? If the girl says, jump off the cliff right now, show me your love. Probably not. Yeah? These are things we like saying. And these are things that the disciples said. But did they do it when the time came? No, unfortunately not. They all had the fear of imprisonment. And so they, got, they scattered. When they came to take Jesus, they all ran in different directions. And they said, we don't want anything to do with this Jesus. And they were shaken from their core. And they said, what is happening? They thought their Lord was going to take over a political kingdom. But here is their Lord chained and being taken to death. And they ran. They were in fear. And they ran in a way, and some of them even went back to their job within no time. Their old profession. It's like nothing happened in three and a half years. Nothing happened. No friendship. No love. Nothing happened. They just ran back to their professions three and a half years that they had prior, and they behaved like everything was normal. Fear can make us do some crazy things, right? But the purpose of testing is to test our hearts. In the book of Judges, in chapter 2, it says, I will drive out some nations before you. I will, sorry, I will not drive out some nations before you because I want to test you. Many people don't like hearing those sermons. God tests you these days. Back in the day, 15, 20 years ago, when you say, God tests you, okay, yes, Lord, test me, refine me, Lord, make me like gold, make me like silver. Today, when you say, God tests you, no, 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 he's a loving God. He will not test his people. But you know what? Throughout Scripture, you read this book, and he's always testing his most faithful disciples. 
his most committed apostles are being tested, are being refined, are being purified over and over and over again. And this morning, if you're going to say, I am a committed disciple and I am making a commitment this morning, get ready because God will allow some things to test you. And the purpose is to refine you. Can we say amen? Amen. I want to be refined by Jesus. But if you observe throughout the Gospels, Jesus is constantly testing the hearts of people. We think at this point that his disciples were scattered. No, he was constantly doing this testing. In other words, the word vetting. The word vetting is used when there are interviews, right? And there are 50 people going for an interview for a job that only one person can get or two people can get. They go through the process of vetting, which means they keep removing people at every round of the interview. And finally, there are two people left if there are two positions. In the same way, Jesus was vetting through all of his disciples throughout three and a half years of ministry. He was going through the process of scattering. It was not just when he was imprisoned or when he was taken as a prisoner that they scattered, but he himself was doing the work of scattering, and he's even doing it today. He's even scattering people today. He's scattering the goats away and keeping the sheep in the sheep pen. Are you listening to me? He is scattering even today, and that is continuing. And that's why if you see one of the examples of his scattering is when Jesus in John chapter 6 says, you've got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. That's a hard saying. I mean, even if I was there, I would say, what's wrong with this man? I'm not eating his flesh. I'm not drinking his blood. I'm going from here. I don't want to become a, you know, a cannibal. I don't want to eat of him. But people left him. People left him and said, this is very hard. And they left. They scattered and went away, and they didn't want to do anything with this person. But there were those few who remained and said, I want to understand the heart of this man. Why did he say such a thing? And I want to show you something. There are three kinds of individuals even today and back in the day who worshipped or who said they worshipped Jesus. The first kind is a hypocritical devotee. A hypocritical devotee. I think it's up there. Okay. A hypocritical devotee. Even today, the hypocritical devotee is one who acts like they're very devoted to Jesus, but inside there's something else. You Remember that rich young ruler? Lord, oh good teacher, and Jesus asked him, why are you calling me good? Can you, can you tell me why you're calling me good? Explain why you're calling me good. And Jesus finally tells him, just leave everything. Come follow me. No, Lord, I will follow you, but I love all these other things as well. Right? Hypocritical. Devotion is not real. The second kind of people that exist who were scattered were opportunistic declarers. I call them opportunistic declarers. According to the opportunity, they declare Jesus as the Lord. You remember that time Jesus fed the 5,000? And then even um, he, he gave them fish and bread, and they were so happy, and he went up to pray, and then he went away to the other side of the river, and they followed him, looking for him as if they love him. And they were like, Lord, where are you? We missed you. We love you. And he's like, I know. You won the buffet. You came for the buffet. You came for the food. I know very well what you came for. You didn't come for me. You came to check if my kitchen staff came along with me, right? And you want to have part of the buffet. And that's how opportunistic declarers are. They declare because they see an opportunity that benefits them. Are you that this morning? Next, fearful deserters. These people and the last group of people, probably the 12 apostles, sorry, the 11 were that way. They had a genuine love for Christ. But in the moment, they were really filled with fear. 
they ran and they were scattered. And Jesus is coming back to these men again and encouraging them. One of them being Peter, who ran away and who denied him three times and went away. And Jesus is coming back to them and telling them, gather once again. Come together once again. There is power when we come together. Can we say amen? When we gather, there is power. Some people like being individual lone warriors. That doesn't work in God's kingdom. You can't be a lone soldier. You can't fight. In fact, you can't be a lone soldier in any army. You can't go to your army. We're celebrating Memorial Day tomorrow, right? You can't go to your army and say, I want to have a regiment of my own. Give me my own gun, my own cannon, and I'll blow up that enemy. Right? Does that happen? No. You've got to be part of the army. You've got to be part of a regiment. You've got to work together. That's how God's kingdom works. Some people will not come to church, will not gather, will not worship as a community. You know what they like? I think your church was called Lowell AG before. Was that what? But they like BAG. Do you know what BAG is? Bedside Assemblies of God. They like the pillow. And they say, Lord, I love you. I worship you. So will I. So will I. We sang that today. On the pillow. Bedside Assemblies of God. And they call themselves a believer, a Christian, a true believer, a committed disciple of Christ, will not sleep on the bed, will be here, will gather with the saints, will be empowered and equipped and emboldened for the work of the Lord. When we come here, we encourage one another, we call out one another, we ask one another to be accountable, and we receive the power of God as a unit and go out there. The world may be hostile. The world may be against us. The world might not even like us. But you know what? We are together. Amen. We are gathering in one place to receive the Spirit of God and to go out there and say, Hey, here we are. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is here to redeem. Amen. They got scattered because of fear, but Jesus gathered them once again. And he said, keep gathering. And that's why in chapter 2, verse 1, when we read, they were all in one place, not individually. They were all in one place together. Amen. The mandate of God is for us to gather. The more we stop to gather, the more easily we scatter. I'll say that again. The more we stop to gather, the more easily we scatter. And this morning I want to ask you, how has your gathering been? Have you been gathering faithfully? As an individual, is your commitment, I will come, I will honor this house, I will honor my leaders, and I will honor the presence of God. Come what may happen in life, sickness, death, worry, stress, right? Some people have a cold and they don't come to church. Whew, too much cold, Pastor, that happens in my church, I don't think here. Everyone's here, I guess. What happened? Why didn't you come to church? Cold, Pastor, cold. Yeah, I was blowing my nose too much. I didn't want to disturb you during the sermon. Oh, okay. Silly excuses. Don't make silly excuses. God wants your commitment. And his word says, his eyes go to and fro, looking for hearts that are committed to him. Is your heart committed to gather in this house and worship together this morning? Amen. The first point I said is, the scattering, then the? Gathering. Put up that point once again, please, would you? The scattering, then the gathering. What is the mandate of God? The mandate of God for us is to gather. Point number two. Point number two. The abandoning, then the obeying. 
the abandoning than the obeying. Everyone abandoned him and fled. We don't, we don't need to go to that uh, reference that I'm talking about. Mark 14, verse 50. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 50. It says that everyone deserted him. And I already mentioned that they all ran because of fear. Fear flooded their hearts and they ran. And they didn't want to be associated with this man. I remember this one time, I don't know if it has happened to you as a kid, but I remember when I was a kid and I was part of this, you know, neighborhood and we all would go to play and we would, um, we had to go over a wall, a, a high wall. And one of our friends had to go and there was a nice place where you could pluck mangoes and then play in that compound. But we were restricted because it was a restricted place, and there was a watchman watching over it. But what we friends decided, about six or seven of us, we told one of this guy, don't worry, you first scale up that wall, and you try plucking the mango, and if the watchman comes, we are all going to be on the lookout, and we are going to rescue you. Don't worry, we are here with you. We are here. We will never leave you nor forsake you. And the poor fellow believed all of us. He went up on the wall, and he started doing his thing, and then the watchman came. And the moment the watchman came and he looked back, not one of us were there. Rapture! Rapture! Everybody disappeared. We all ran in different directions. And he stood on that wall just like this, thinking that he's invisible and hoping that the watchman doesn't see him. He just stayed that way. And later we had to ask forgiveness and all of that. But the point is this, people will flee. People will desert. People will abandon. Fear does things to us that we will never think of. But you know, Scripture also reminds us about true courage. Greater love has no man than this, but to lay down his life for his friend. Amen. Very few people will remain and will stand the test of time. Amen. And Jesus chose those people to remain. And he said, when you remain, all you need to do is keep obeying not abandoning. Amen? Keep obeying, not abandoning. You and I are not called to abandon at every nook and corner of trouble. We are called to obey and keep pressing forward. That's why Paul as well says, to press forward, not look back. Don't look back. Keep pressing forward. Keep obeying. One of the greatest requirements of Christian faith is obedience. One of the greatest requirements of Christian discipleship is obedience. If you do not have obedience, you're not a Christian. Uh-oh, what are you saying, Pastor? Yes, sorry if it's bad news. If you're not obeying what he's asking you to do, you're not a Christian. That's good news, actually, because those of us who are obeying, we're Christians. Amen? So one of the greatest requirements is obedience. And that's why Jesus, when you see verses 4 and 5 of the first chapter, he says, wait there, I'm going to give you power. And then they ask, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom? He just says, no. The times are for my father, and my father knows times. In other words, he's saying, just be quiet and do what I'm asking you to do. Don't ask too many questions. Sometimes we want the answers to everything, right? We say, we will obey, but on our terms. We will obey on our terms. We will uh, obey sometimes grumbling and complaining as well. Grumbling obedience. Okay, Lord, I'll obey. You know those times when you were kids and your parents told you, go to the room. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, right? Grumbling and complaining obedience, not real obedience out of real love. And Jesus is requiring real obedience from us. I put up a statement there. The manner in which a disciple must remain committed 
The manner in which a disciple can remain committed is not by trying to understand everything that God is doing, but by obeying everything that God is saying. Can we say amen? I'll read it again. Let it sink in. Uh, the manner in which a disciple can remain committed is not by trying to understand everything that God is doing, but by obeying everything that God is saying. We're in a culture that says we need answers, and Jesus is saying, sometimes I'm not giving you answers. Deal with it. Uh-oh. His own father didn't give him an answer on the cross. Who are we? The father stayed silent while Jesus hung on that cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God stayed silent. And who are we? God does some things that we will not understand in the moment. Our job is not understanding everything he's doing. Our job is obeying everything he's saying. Can we say amen? The next slide, please. Obedience for a professing disciple of Christ is neither optional nor conditional. It is absolutely essential. It's not optional. It's not conditional. It's absolutely essential. Obedience costs. Obedience scars. Obedience is laughed at. Obedience is called foolish. Obedience is risky and damaging at times. Obedience even costs you your life, but that's what Christ requires of you. Are you willing to obey this morning? That's what his father required of him. Obedience does some things that we will never understand. Lord, I do not understand why I have to build a ship. I don't see water. I don't see rain. My friends are making fun of me. They're joking about me. And here you are calling me to make a ship. I do not understand what you're doing, but I will obey what you're saying, Noah. Lord, I do not understand why I have to sacrifice the very son that you promised me. And after so many years, you gave me the son. Now you're leading me up a mountain and asking me to lay him on the altar and kill him. I do not understand what you're doing, but I will obey what you're saying, Abraham. Lord, I do not understand why I should lead these people out of one land to the other. I'm 80 years old. It's time for me to retire. I don't even have a GPS system. You said cloud. You said fire. I don't know where the land is. I don't know where I'm going, but, and I don't understand what you're doing, but I will obey what you're saying, Moses. Lord, I do not understand why I should go to an obstinate people, an unrepentant people, and proclaim your goodness to them. I do not understand what you're doing, but I will obey what you're saying, Jeremiah. My father, in this moment, it is so tough for me to carry this cup. I wish it passed from me. I'm not able to do your will, but let thy will be done and not mine. I do not understand what you're doing. I will obey what you're saying, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we do not understand what you're going to do. You're saying worldwide evangelism, and you're making us sit in one room, 120 people together. We don't know what's coming our way. We don't understand what you're going to do after this, but we will obey what you're saying. The disciples in the upper room. This morning, my dear brother and sister, your job is not figuring out everything God is doing. Your job is obeying what he's saying. Amen. Where are you this morning? Has God asked you to obey some things and you've been putting it off? You've been delaying it? You've been saying tomorrow, day after? This morning, I believe God has sent me here to tell you it's time you obey. Because obedience brings blessing. Amen. And if you're not going to obey, you're not going to receive the blessing of God. And the point is this. Whether God blesses or not, we will still obey. On our terms, I mean, whether God blesses or not on my terms. There were three men 
who said, Lord, if you rescue us from this fire, fine, we will declare you as a deliverer. Even if you do not rescue us from this fire, we will still worship you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is great theology right there. And therefore, the warning for all of us is, are we obeying God? And are we obeying Him faithfully every day? I first said the scattering, then the gathering. I then said the abandoning, then the obeying. And my final point, the hiding, then the abiding. The hiding, then the abiding. The mission of God for us is to abide in Him and His purposes. In John chapter 20, verse 19, the Gospel of John chapter 20, verse 19 says that they all were hiding. They were behind closed doors. They were hiding. You know, Satan says things to us and does things to us and puts us in circumstances where we are scared and filled with fear. They were hiding behind closed doors, and I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you hiding behind some closed doors? Are you filled with fear about something? Are you choked and suffocated with something that you are hiding behind closed doors? And people don't know that, but God sees that this morning. It is your opportunity to abide and not hide. Amen? It is your opportunity to come before God this morning and say, Lord, I bear myself before you. And whatever fear I have and whichever door I'm hiding behind, I'm going to break free this morning because you're calling me to abide in you, abide in your purposes, abide in your gospel. In the gospel of John again, chapter 15, he says, only those who abide in the vine will flourish and bear fruit. All the other branches will be thrown away. We are being called to be connected to Jesus, to abide in Him, and to be completely dependent on Him. What is abiding, you might ask? Pastor, what is abiding? Abiding means absolute reliance and dependence on God. Absolute, uh, absolute dependence and reliance on God. You're not looking to this world. You're not looking to your own resources. You're looking to God. And that's why I love John chapter 6, where everybody abandons Jesus and he asks the question, he turns to the disciples and he asks, will you also leave me? Will you also let me go, let my hand go? And Peter says, it's one of my favorite verses and I live by it. Peter says, where can we go, Lord? You are the ones who have the words of eternal life. Amen. Where can we go, Lord? I said that many years ago. When a little bit of myself, and I'm going to close in some time, when we accepted the Lord, my father died just 10 months after that, and our world turned upside down. We lost our house. We lost everything in life. And here I am, a young teenager, and I even lost my education for a while because my mom couldn't pay my fees. I never thought I'll finish schooling. And when pastor was saying, I have a master's degree, I have two master's degree, by God's grace. But there was a time when I never thought I will even finish school or 10th grade. And here I am. We lost our house. We've been kicked out of our house. And we didn't even have a truck to take all our belongings to the new place. There's something called as a rickshaw in India. You've seen some rickshaws, but this rickshaw did not have a covering. It was just an open rickshaw with some wooden planks at the back. And that's all we could pay for. And so we had to do many trips. And as a young teenage boy, I'm pushing that rickshaw along with this old man. And I'm saying, I'm cursing God. I'm cursing God. And I'm saying, we accepted you as our savior. Ten months later, you take away my father, and here we are, not only that, you take away my father, you take away our money, and the reason we lost our house is because we took a loan from our, my father's friend for the house. He deceived us, and um, he took away the house. I said, you took away my father, you took away my, our finances, you took away my house, you're taking away my life, and here we are on the road, I'm going away from my home, I don't know what lies in front of me, 
And then I hear the Holy Spirit calm me down and say, there's a word, there's a Telugu song, the language that we speak in our part is called Telugu. There's a Telugu song that says, Siluve Nadu Sharanam, meaning the cross is my shelter. I hear the Holy Spirit speak that to my heart. And I, the words that come out is, where else can I go, Lord? You are the one that has the words of eternal life. It is important that we abide in God every day and not hide behind closed doors. When we abide in Him, we receive the boldness in life to move forward. Houses, no houses. Cars, no cars. Money, no money. Jesus is with me. Amen. And we move forward by abiding in Him. And that's why I want to put up these last few sentences. And I, I'll read it first. And I, I, I wish that you would read it with me as well. The next slide, please. We will no longer hide, but we will abide in Him. We will abide in the power of God's Spirit. We will abide in the purposes of God, which is to be His witnesses. We will abide with the people of God, God's holy church. We will abide in the passion of the Holy Spirit. We will abide in the principles of God's Word. Can we all read that together from the second line? Together, we will abide in the power of God's Spirit. We will abide in the purposes of God, which is to be His witnesses. We will abide with the people of God, God's holy church. We will abide in the passion of the Holy Spirit. We will abide in the principles of God's Word. Amen. What are we being called to do as I bring this to a close? The next slide, please. What are we being called to do as I spoke today? A committed disciple of a committed Savior will remain deeply and fully committed to three things as we discussed today. What are they? Gathering dedicatedly, obeying diligently, and abiding deeply. Amen. Are you willing to gather dedicatedly, obey diligently all your life, and abide deeply in your Savior this morning? I want to give you an opportunity to make that commitment. If you are here, hearing this message for the first time or for the hundredth time, make a commitment this morning. Don't lose the opportunity and say, Lord, I want to be a committed disciple, irrespective of what comes my way. We're going to take a few moments would you take your heart before God and set it before God? If you want to stand, you want to kneel down, you want to lift your hands, don't miss out on this opportunity to come before God and say, Lord, here I am. Take me. I want to be committed. I want to be somebody who pleases you, lives for you. In however manner, in whichever manner you want to express your commitment, do that, but don't miss this opportunity. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Even as the Holy Spirit is here to minister to our hearts, don't miss this opportunity where he has specifically told us some things. If it is gathering you have been neglecting, make a commitment. If it is something that he's calling you to obey this morning, I believe there are some of us here that have been putting off some things. We know we have to obey, but we are not obeying. Would you make a commitment to say, I will obey. Irrespective of the cost, Lord, I will obey. And I will do what needs to be done so that your name is glorified. If it is abiding and you've not been having a growing, consistent relationship with Jesus, 
would you come before him and say lord it is difficult lord every day i find it difficult to have a relationship with you and there are barriers in my way hindrances that pull me away from you but i want to make a commitment by the power of your holy spirit that i will abide deeply lord i will abide deeply give me your grace give me your power and holy spirit like you transformed these disciples would you transform us this morning by the power of the holy spirit fill our hearts fill our minds fill our lives this morning lord take a few moments and commit yourself hallelujah we worship you jesus lord i come i confess i'm bowing here i find my rest without you i fall apart you're the one that guides my heart let's say that once again lord i come i confess yes lord i'm bowing here i find my rest without you without you i fall apart you're the one that guides my heart yes lord together we say lord i need you Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need you my one defense my righteousness oh God how I need When sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. comes my way when I cannot stand out for all you and Jesus you're my hope and stay
and say, Lord, I need Come on, as loud as we can. That's right, lift it up. Hallelujah. Louder, louder, come on, to the King of Kings. You're my one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need Once again, Lord, I need you as loud as we can. Say Lord, I Jesus, right now we come before you. You told us to wait. We're here. We're gathered. But Lord, that purpose was to scatter us, that we would go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the depth of this word. I thank you for the truth of this word. And Lord, the, the, the truth is, is that while many of us see the value of you when we're facing death, Lord, it's hard sometimes to see the need for you in our everyday life. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for us to abide in our daily decisions, to walk in a path of truth and righteousness. Listen, with your eyes closed across this room, hear me. The, 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 the destiny of your life lived out in Jesus is not when you come running before him in tears and in desperation, but when you allow him to be Lord in the still daily decisions of your life. This is what we're talking about. Everybody understands the value of Jesus when facing death, but very few people see that every hour, every minute, every second, God wants to be a part of your daily decisions. That's why it's called, he is called the way, the path, the journey that we say, I'm going in a direction and it's going to be real. I'm going in a direction and it's going to be straight. I'm going in a direction and it's going to be righteous. There's a reason why he said he's the truth is because sometimes our hearts betray us and we deviate from that path. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit is to say, God says to us, just like he said through Jeremiah, this is the way, walk in it. And then he said, I am the life. Jesus says that I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, the, the, the Christian walk is very practical and very simple. It says that I will obey God. And when I don't understand, I will do and let the answer catch up to me later. That's the challenge here today. That's the challenge of, listen, that's the challenge why so many of us woke up one day and said, how did I get so far from God? That's the reason why some of us woke up one day and said, why, why, don't I, why don't I feel impassioned for things anymore? And it's because we've lost the wonder of Jesus in our daily life. There's a man who lived in Europe and he had the largest art gallery private collection in the world. He lost his son in World War II. That was the one pleasure they had was creating artwork. Everybody from all over the world came to see that artwork and to auction it off. Rembrandts, Picasso, I mean, just you name it, art 
that was in private collection. Everybody wanted to get their hands on it. But the auctioneer started out and began with a picture. It was a portrait of the father's son, the only son that he had who had passed away. Now there was nobody to take the inheritance. The estate was going up for sale. Nobody cared about that. They only cared about the important things, the, 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 the expensive portraits. And so they put it up and they said, $50, $50. No takers, a hand in the back. The butler raised his hand. They said, do I, do I have $50? Do I have 100? Do I have 100? Nobody, nobody moved on it. Finally, they said, sold, $50. The butler took the picture because he knew the son and he loved the son. And the auction closed and the man closed the book and he said, the auction's over. Thank you so much for joining us. Everybody was devastated. They're like, what do you mean? I saved my whole life. So I, I was looking for fine art. I wanted to get a hand on this stuff. And they said, the will was very clear. He who gets the son gets everything. He who gets the son gets everything. Listen, I wish I could speak to every single young couple, young adult, older couple, young person, that you would just devote your life wholly and completely and totally to Jesus Christ. Because you're going to walk a path. Why not walk his? You're going to redefine truth. Why not live truth in him? You're looking for life. But the Bible says he who has the son has life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this great word pastor brought to us today and the deep spirituality and the deep truth. Father, I thank you that his setbacks, Lord God, were steps to bring him to leave a business and begin a ministry. Lord, there are many of us in our daily life. We're like, Lord, I just don't see where you want me. Lord, we're just going to start where we're at and just say, Lord, Help me to live true and upright, to be a disciple, to not be duplicitous, but to be true to you in every context that I'm in. Have your way in our lives, Lord. Thank you for this community. Lord, thank you for these wonderful saints. Thank you for the difference that we're making here and around the world. But Lord, help us to abide, to wait, and to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. We take this truth with us online and in this place, in Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome to uh, thank our speaker. You're welcome to sit around and pray. You're welcome to go and get your house ready for total devastation tomorrow at Memorial Day party. Uh, whatever that is that you're doing, God bless you. It's an honor being your pastor. Thank you again for being with us today. To listen to our messages, follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And go to ne-cc.org for all news, events, and updates. Thank you and God bless.